In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13-year-old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020. It's our future. This year's showcase closed on International Women's Day, and to mark the occasion, we opened with a plenary session featuring remarkable improvement projects led by some of Queensland's brightest women. Metro South's Nakia Rae Beaton is a senior radiation therapist working at Brisbane's Princess Alexandra Hospital. In that role, she was one of the principal investigators involved in implementing Deep Inspiration Breath Hold, or DIBH, in breast cancer treatment to reduce the cardiac dose. Thank you to everybody for the opportunity to speak with you all today on the use of deep inspiration breath hold for breast cancer treatments at the PA Hospital here in Brisbane. I will begin today with a brief background of DIBH and the reason for its use in breast cancer radiation therapy treatment. Breast cancer is the most common malignancy occurring in Australian women with one in eight expected to be diagnosed with the disease. Fortunately, the success of adjuvant therapies and earlier diagnosis has translated into significant survival benefits for women diagnosed with breast cancer, with an almost 20% increase in five-year overall survival over the past 30 years. Thus, an important component of the care of these women is ensuring quality of survivorship by minimising potential long-term toxicities of therapies. Cardiovascular disease, or CVD, has been found to be the greatest non-cancer cause of death for breast cancer survivors. This is particularly important for patients with left-sided breast cancer due to the location of the heart. A systematic review conducted by Gonart and colleagues in 2017 found that women with breast cancer have a higher rate of CVD mortality than women in the general population with 1.6% to 10.4% of all women with breast cancer dying of CVD. Additionally, breast cancer and CVD share the same predisposing risk factors, including age, tobacco use, dietary factors, obesity, and hormonal replacement therapy. The New England Journal of Medicine published a paper by Darby Attell in 2013 it was a population-based case control study of major coronary events such as myocardial infarction, coronary revascularization, or death from ischemic heart disease. 2,168 women who underwent radiation therapy between 1958 and 2001 in Sweden and Denmark were included in the study. 
They analyzed the mean dose of radiation received by the heart and also by the left anterior descending artery, or LAD. The authors reported that although radiotherapy regimes for breast cancer have changed since the women in these trials were irradiated, and that the doses of radiation to which the heart are exposed to now are now generally lower in most women, the heart still receives doses of 1 to 5 gray. Several studies have suggested that exposures at this level can cause ischemic heart disease, but the magnitude of the risk after any given dose to the heart is uncertain, as is the time of the development of any radiation-related disease and the influence of other cardiac risk factors. They found that in the majority of coronary events, 44% occurred less than 10 years after breast cancer diagnosis, 33% occurred 10 to 19 years afterwards, and 23% occurred 20 years or more after diagnosis. This article has been very influential in forcing us all to reconsider the risk of cardiac mortality after radiation therapy treatment for breast cancer. The graph on the left shows that there is a linear increase in the risk of major coronary events. An interesting finding was that the risk of major coronary events increased by 7.4% per gray of mean heart radiation dose. There is no apparent safe threshold dose for the heart. The table on the right shows that the increase commenced within the first five years after exposure and continued for at least 20 years. Previously, we had thought that the risk only started about 10 years after treatment. This has implications for how our radiation oncologists care for their patients because previously the dose to the heart for older patients may not have been a big concern. From the study, it appears that the risk is greatest within the first four years after treatment. Therefore, the take-home message from this paper is that there is no safe dose of radiation to the heart. We need to keep the dose to the heart as low as possible. But how do we do this? One method to address this issue is deep inspiration breath hold. DIBH is used around the world as a motion management technique for a number of different anatomical sites in the breast, the thorax and the abdomen. It has been proven that in the majority of patients, the heart moves inferiorly, becomes more elongated and moves away from the posterior border of the radiation field at the end of deep inspiration. It is therefore beneficial for a number of our left-sided breast cancer patients or patients with right-sided breast cancer where treatment to the internal memory nodes is indicated that we treat them during the deep inspiration part of their breathing cycle. This allows us to reduce the heart toxicity without increasing the dose to the surrounding normal tissue such as the lung. Here is an example of an axial CT slice of the same patient at the same level. The red line demonstrates the edge of the radiation field in both images. The image on the left is a scan of a patient in a state of free breathing. And as you can see, there is a portion of the heart within the edge of the radiation field. The image on the right hand side is the axial slice of the same patient at the same level, but this time in deep inspiration breath hold. And you can see how it has significantly reduced the amount of heart within the field. Given the proven benefits of DIBH, 
Our aim was to successfully implement DIBH for breast cancer patients receiving radiation treatment at the PA hospital. A focus group was formed with myself and my colleague Patricia Brown, the principal investigators. The Elector Active Breathing Coordinator, or ABC device, was chosen as the system integrates with the linear accelerators used in our department. The patient is given a mouthpiece similar to the picture above. A lung volume threshold is set, and once the patient breathes to that level, a balloon valve inflates helping to maintain the breath hold for a set amount of time. The system is dual controlled, meaning that it cannot be used unless both patient and radiation therapist are ready. Although DIBH is offered to all left-sided breast cancer patients and right-sided breast cancer patients whose disease indicates the need to treat the internal memory nodes, all patients must undergo a coaching session to assess if they are suitable for the procedure. This session is completed by a radiation therapist prior to the CT planning day. To be eligible for DIBH, patients must be able to follow prompts from staff, be able to establish a reproducible breathing pattern, and be able to hold their breath for a minimum of 20 seconds, with 25 seconds being optimal, at least four times in a row. With the successful implementation of DIBH for breast cancer complete, it was important for us to assess what we were achieving, both from a radiation treatment perspective, but also from a patient experience and outcome perspective. As such, a pilot study was developed specifically to address these areas. The trial included two primary aims. The first was to assess whether DIBH decreases the incidence of subclinical myocardial dysfunction as determined by two-dimensional strain imaging echocardiography. And the second was to achieve a greater understanding of the patient's experience when using the breath hold device for DIBH treatment. Our first patient was recruited to the trial on the 30th of March 2016 and our final patient was recruited almost one year later on the 15th of March 2017. 41 patients were recruited in total. One patient was subsequently removed from the trial following consultation with the radiation oncologist who deemed that there was no dosimetric benefit to her from DIBH and so her treatment was delivered in free breathing. The patients treated in free breathing were deemed not suitable for DIBH at the coaching session. All patients recruited were involved in the cardiac arm of the study. Only patients treated in DIBH were included in the patient's experience arm. I will now go into a little bit more detail about the two arms of the study. In the cardiac arm, 30 DIBH patients and 10 free breathing patients underwent echocardiography scans at three time points. The first was before they commenced treatment. The second was approximately halfway through their treatment. And their final one was six months after finishing treatment. In the scans, the following were measured. The left ventricular end diastolic volume, which is a measurement of the size of the heart in a relaxed state. The left ventricular end systolic volume, which is a measurement of the size of the heart when contracting. The left ventricular ejection fraction, which is a measurement expressed as a percentage of how much blood the left ventricle pumps out with each contraction. And the left ventricular global longitudinal strain, 
This measures the maximum shortening of myocardial longitudinal length during systole, which is the phase in the cardiac cycle when the heart contracts to pump out the blood, compared to the resting length in diastole, which is the phase in the heartbeat where the muscle relaxes and allows the chambers to once again fill with blood. Traditionally, the left ventricular ejection fraction, or LVEF, determined by a standard echocardio scan, was used to monitor chemotherapy or radiation-reduced cardiac toxicities. LVEF cannot detect early alterations in myocardial function. Consequently, the left ventricular global longitudinal strain, or LVGLS, is considered the most accurate for cardiac changes. The others can be quite insensitive to subclinical dysfunction. LVGLS has been recommended as a means to follow patients at risk of cardiac dysfunction from cancer treatments due to the strong evidence of its, of its prognostic factors in, predict, in predicting major adverse coronary events. Three previous studies have demonstrated subclinical dysfunction as determined by LVGLS during the acute phase of radiation treatment and persisting after treatment had completed further highlighting the need for techniques such as DIBH, as well as the importance of studying what clinical impact these new techniques are having on patient cardiac outcomes. This leads us to the preliminary results of our study. On the screen is a graph showing the mean peak global longitudinal strain of our two groups of patients at three time points. Baseline is before the patients began treatment. Follow-up 1 is the results of the scans mid-treatment, and follow-up 2 was 6 months after the patients had finished their treatment. A strain value of approximately 17% or less is considered normal. Results from these scans showed that although the baseline measurements for both groups were similar, there was a significant difference in the left ventricular global longitudinal strain over the time between the two groups with a p-value of less than 0.05, with LVGLS deteriorating as free-breathing radiation treatment progressed when compared with DIBH. This trend was found to continue six months after the completion of treatment. This strongly suggests that DIBH is beneficial in protecting the heart, which is a very positive and exciting result. This now brings us to the second arm of our study, the patient experience. Healthcare institutions need to go beyond the medical point of view and must likewise consider the treatment experience of patients. The demand for patient-centred care has developed in recent years so that the measurement of patient experience is becoming increasingly recognised as an important indicator of healthcare quality standards, including the effectiveness, the efficiency, cost and safety of care. Studies in many countries have shown that a positive patient experience directly influences several aspects of care, including compliance with treatment and the continuity of care, disclosure of important medical information to physicians, reduction of complaints against institutions, improvement of morale, and overall job satisfaction amongst healthcare providers. It was apparent during the implementation phase of our study that there was a paucity of information in the literature documenting the patient's experience with the technology. 
We believe that this information would have been beneficial to help with the decisions made when purchasing the new equipment and implementing the treatment, and we recognise the opportunity for further investigations by the group. A DIBH patient experience questionnaire was designed and developed in consultation with a quality of life specialist and a statistician. Areas covered by the questionnaire included coaching, comfort, ease, fatigue, anxiety and areas for improvement. Answers were given via the Likert scale, distress thermometer and open-ended questions. Patients were asked to complete the questionnaire at three time points throughout their treatment journey. The first was on their planning day, the second was in their second week of treatment and their last one was in their last week of treatment. It was hoped that by using the three time points, it would allow us to capture any changes or trends in the patient's experience as they progress throughout their treatment. The results of the questionnaire provided us with some really positive feedback. On a scale ranging from not at all to extremely, all patients found the device comfortable, they felt in control, and they found it easy to use. But as you can see on the pie graphs at the bottom of the screen, 32% of patients felt that they were extremely comfortable with the device, 48% felt that they were extremely in control, and 60% reported that it was extremely easy to hold their breath. 64% of patients also reported that coaching was extremely helpful. These results were very pleasing to us and it confirmed that the procedures that we had put into practice were working well and ultimately improving the patient's treatment experience. A summary table presenting the mean standard deviation for questions using either the Likert scale or distress thermometer can be seen on the screen. Most of the results were very positive and as we had hoped. As you can see from the generally low standard deviations, the data points were mostly close to the mean results for each question. With the possible exception of question 5 on the questionnaire completed during the final week of treatment. Not only had the level of fatigue increased, but so too the range of responses. We know from our experience with patients that fatigue levels often increase during the course of treatment due to factors including the treatment regime and also daily travel times. However, further investigation would be required to determine if the fatigue level increase noted here are a result of those factors or a direct result of the DIBH treatment itself. Overall, the results from our DIBH experience concluded that patients found that the technique was acceptable and that it did not cause them any additional distress, which was a really positive result. This work has been published in a peer-reviewed professional journal so that other departments and patients may benefit from what we have found. The positive results of this arm of the study have led to further development and expansion of the patient education and support tools that we offer at the PA Hospital. We have developed an app-based patient education module that provides patients and their family and friends with written and visual information in an interactive format. The video I showed earlier is features in our DIBH module. These modules cover a general guide of what to expect when coming in for treatment, as well as specific information regarding DIBH and the equipment used for its delivery. 
This allows patients the opportunity to learn why the technique is used, see the equipment and watch videos on what they will experience when they come and also to revise what they need to do after their initial coaching and planning sessions. The app-based format also allows patients to share this information with family and friends, further assisting in alleviating the anxiety and distress that can accompany cancer treatment. The overwhelming benefit of this work is that our data strongly suggests that DIBH is beneficial in protecting the heart through reduction of radiation dose. As a result of the positive findings of the pilot study, DIBH has been used in approximately 50% of all breast cancer patients who have received treatment for breast cancer in the past 12 months, with this number expected to increase. This number includes both left and right-sided breast cancer treatments. These results have led to the commencement of a more in-depth study utilising cardiac MRI in conjunction with echocardiography to better understand what sections of the heart are more susceptible to structural and functional damage. The results of this study will be used to direct radiation therapy planning and treatment strategies to maximise breast cancer patient outcomes. A positive patient experience is of vital importance to achieve high quality healthcare. It was essential to the successful implementation of this technology to partner with patients right from the outset. Hence, it formed an important part of our evaluation study and was the topic of the first publication emanating from this work. Partnering with patients in this process has enabled us to develop comprehensive education and coaching tools which has shown to assist them in their treatment journey whilst not adding to their anxiety or their distress. The fostering of this partnership early in the implementation process has allowed us to further develop tools and resources for patients to enhance their understanding of the technique. The benefits of this partnership also translates to other areas of radiation therapy, including the broader patient education we provide, as well as evaluating new technology we implement in consultation with our patients. Another key partnership that has formed during the implementation and evaluation of DIBH is that with the medical imaging and cardiology departments of the Princess Alexandra Hospital. This collaboration has enabled us to evaluate the functional outcomes of DIPH, which is a key aspect of any evaluation. This collaboration has led to the undertaking of a new research project, the findings of which will hopefully allow us to further optimise our radiation therapy treatment by understanding more about which sections of the heart are more susceptible to damage. Ultimately, this enables us to provide the best care for our patients and optimise their long-term quality of life. This now leads us to the lessons that we have learnt from this project. When implementing a new technology, multidisciplinary collaboration, including consumer input, is crucial to the success of the project. For us, this has been the medical imaging and cardiology departments of the PA hospital, as well as fostering a close partnership with our patients. Comprehensive staff and patient education and training is extremely important to the success of the implementation of any new device. From our patient questionnaire, we have discovered that the processes that we have developed are currently working well to prepare patients for their treatment. 
In terms of feedback, we have also learnt that we need to close the loop to feedback to ensure that procedures are refined and improved as required. In conclusion, we have successfully implemented the DIBH technique using the ABC device for our breast cancer patients at the Princess Alexandra Hospital. In evaluating this new technology and partnering with patients and the medical imaging and cardiology departments, we have found that the technique is beneficial in protecting the heart and is well tolerated and received by patients. The partnerships formed throughout this project have enabled the conduct of further important research that will provide us with a deeper understanding of the benefits of DIBH and how we can continue to optimise our radiation therapy treatment. This quote by William Clinton sums up the overall message from our project, that we all do indeed work better when we work together. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.